Hi, and welcome to the new Feminine Revolution podcast. This is a space for women who want to live with deep self-love, personal responsibility, and purpose. I am your host, Carolina Zuleta, and I'm an expert in helping women create extraordinary lives. I'm excited to have you join us. Hi, and welcome to episode 15 of the new Feminine Revolution podcast. As always, I'm so grateful that I get to connect with you. Today, I'm very excited because I'm going to introduce a new segment to our podcast, which is called Behind the Scenes. And in this segment, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be interviewing women who are doing great things with their careers and their lives, who are leaders in their industries, who are being creative, starting their own businesses, who are women that I think we all could admire and look up to. But I'm interviewing them in a very different way. That's why it's called Behind the Scenes, because I want to get behind what the social media profiles say, what their LinkedIn profile says, what when they go, we go into their company's website, what their description is, because of course they're all that, all those amazing successes and wonderful things. But behind that, there are also women who share some of the same struggles and joys that we all do that we're listening to this podcast. And I wanted to do this because I think today we see social media is like so prevalent in our lives. And in social media, all of us show the best part of ourselves. We rarely communicate our vulnerabilities, our fears, our doubts. And what happens is that each of us ends up comparing our lives, which is full of wonderful things, but also of scary things, sad things, moments that we doubt ourselves, with the images of the people that are only showing the best of them. So we compare their best lives to our inner insecurities, and that sometimes makes us feel even more alone. So the woman I'll be interviewing in the next couple of episodes are women that I respect, that I admire but who are also courageous enough to share their stories in a way that we can all relate. So I'm very excited for these interviews, and I hope you're going to love them as well. And today's interview is with a woman. Her name is Julie Rogers, and Julie is currently the Chief Operating Officer at Hireology. She is responsible for the company's sales, customer support, and product development. Julie has been one of those super smart women who has had an impeccable career. She graduated from the University of Michigan, Stephens A. Ross School of Business, with a bachelor's in business administration. And there she went to Deloitte, where she worked for nine years, focusing on developing and enhancing value-added relationships with Fortune 500 clients. And from there, she went to Groupon. Uh, where she learned how to work even better with revenue management and operations. And then she took a big leap, leaving those big corporations to start working at Hireology, where she's really focusing on building great teams and supporting all the operations of the company. She has two young kids. She's going to tell us more about it. And this is a woman that I felt very moved by her story because she you can tell she's done the work the deep inner work that we talk about in this podcast. So it's my honor to introduce you all to Julie Rogers. Hi, Julie, and welcome to the new Feminine Revolution podcast. I'm so happy you are here with us. How are you? 
I'm good, Carolina. How are you? I'm very good. So I already shared with the audience a little bit about your career and we'll dive deeper into that. But I would love to start on a high note. So could you share with us what is one thing you feel very proud of? Um, so I, you know, I, I'm sure we'll talk a lot about my professional career, um, which, you know, I have a lot of proud moments in my professional career, but actually my most, you know, the thing I'm most proud of, and there's really two things is, um, are my children. I have two kids, Edie, who's six years old and Max, who's four year four years old. Uh, the reason being is I think, you know, it's one, it's incredibly hard to have children, um, just in this world. And, um, I never really truly aspire to be a mom, but as my kids have grown, and become these little humans, uh, they're actually really, you know, interesting and good people. And I, I feel like, you know, that has a little bit to do with the parenting um, style that I've embraced. And so, you know, when you ask me what I'm most proud of, I, I think I would point to those, those two humans as, as uh, the things I'm most proud of. I love that you're bringing that up uh, because I feel like career, it's so easy to be like, is success to measure success is very clear, right? Like I got promoted, I got this job, I got this award, but being a mom is, is not like we don't get awards, right? There is not the <laughs> Academy Awards for moms or anything like right. that. We don't get a race. We don't get a promotion. And yet like it, it brings a new level of satisfaction. And I love what you're saying is about seeing them and seeing how they are really good humans, right? Like, that speaks a lot about what you've done and who they are. And I love that. And exactly. And on that note, like what would you say, like is something your children have taught you? Um, you know, Edie and Max have really taught me um, to be present You know, with kids. You can, you can, you know, you really do have to be thinking one to, you know, one to three steps, forward you have to be thinking do you have the food are they are they well rested do they have what they need but the moments that are the most precious and they're not the the moments you prepare for just catch you off guard and so you're going to miss them if you're constantly planning and constantly focusing on the next thing you do need to do mm -hmm. um they really taught me to stay in the moment stay present and that means really listening to them listening to their questions what are they saying you know they both have like a little bit of a lisp Mm. And they can't quite pronounce their R's or their L's. Mm. So, you know, you really do have to listen. Otherwise, you might miss it. And, um, and I never wanted, you know, I never want to miss what, what they're saying. And I never want to, you know, push aside those questions as irrelevant or unimportant because they're, you know, they're, they're wondering what the answers to some of these questions are. And so um, in order to really hear them, I, I have to stay in the moment, which can be, which can be hard. Mm. How do you support yourself in doing that? Well, um, you know, I support myself in, in staying in the moment by really just trying to um, deal with what I need to do. You know, a work can, a lot of stimuli comes at you in a lot of different ways. So work can come at you via your smartphone or the phone, um, or just honestly being consumed and thinking about what's going on at work or what's going on in your life. Um, I try to compartmentalize those things that I need to think about or deal with at a later time and really you know, don't look at my phone or, you know, take time, take, set aside time to take care of those things, but that not, not do them, you know, exactly when I'm with the kids and, and their focus and attention is, is on me. And um, that's, that's, that's really what I try to do in, in supporting myself to, to achieve that. And do you have any, because I think like 
you know, I'm a new mom and it's yeah. hard, right? Like it's hard because I'm, there's emails coming in and, you know, in my mind, oh, I haven't responded to this person or I need to do this thing. And, and, you know, I, I find it hard and challenging and I have to be very intentional about it. But do you have any tricks that have helped you stay present when you're with them? I mean, really, it's, it's about setting boundaries. And so if you know that you're, you set aside, you know, for some people, it might be a time. For me, it's um, a time of day where I will answer emails or I will be responsive. And, you know, that, you know, during the weekend, it's the middle of the day when they take their resting time or mm -hmm. at night after I put them to bed. Other than that, um, you know, I don't I don't respond to, to emails or texts or anything just to make sure that my attention is fully focused on them and they don't see me. Honestly, they're, they're of an age where if they see me on my phone constantly, that'll, that they notice that. Mm -hmm. um, so I think setting boundaries from a timing perspective. Um, and then also you, you can kind of train people. If you're always responding to emails or texts for, for work, people are going to come to expect that out of you. And so if you train them um, or explicitly tell them, Hey, here's when, here's when I'm available. Here's when I'm not available. People, people will respect that. And as long as you also, um, you know, stay respectful of yourself and your own boundaries that, that I think can, can go a long way. I, I love what you're saying. And, and I think there's two things about what you're saying. I want to highlight one is like having explicit conversations with people. And the other one, which I think it's even more important is you respecting your own boundaries, because I I've found that we as women sometimes are the first ones to not respect our boundaries, right? Like we might say that, but then it's like, oh, just a quick email and we'll send it. Exactly. So I'm and, curious. And people are. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I think. And, and you can, you know, people are, people will give as much as you, people will take as much as you give them. Mm -hmm. And that's true in both work and personal relationships um, and family relationships, honestly. So mm -hmm. if you're, if you're constantly just giving, giving, giving with the expectation that they'll say, Hey, I'm good enough. Now pay attention to your family. That's never going to happen. That's mm -hmm. coming upon you and us and you know, me as a mom, as a wife, as a friend to say, this is what I need. This is what I'm going to do. And this is what you can expect of me. Mm -hmm. And has that always been easy for you to say, here's what I need. Here's what I want. Oh God, no. <laughs> you know I think um I, it's not been easy it's been a it's been something I've focused on a lot since you know a lot over the last 10 years really since I um left you know college and you know entered my 20s in the working world because when you come into the working world without a family without children all you do you know I, my bias was was toward just working a ton of hours and giving myself over to clients and projects and all of those, you know, um, those really high need things. Um, and, and I saw a lot of success professionally out of that, but I realized that it sort of, it snowballs, it feeds on itself. You know, people don't become more um, independent and able to deal with things if, if you're constantly there to, to cover off and what, the, what they need you to do. So um, setting those boundaries has been something I've been actively working on, you know, for, for the last 10 years. And my um a good someone I respect a lot and look toward as a mentor she she challenged me to think of myself and treat myself the way I would treat a friend mm. um so getting outside of myself and, and talking to myself in a way that I would expect a friend or a sister to, to talk or treat me and that really helps me put myself you know be be an advocate for myself 
Mm. I love it. In this podcast, we talk a lot about self-kindness and really cultivating a gentle and loving relationship with ourselves. And like, so your, your mentor told you, okay, I give you this challenge to be your, to treat yourself as you would treat a friend or you would want a friend to treat you. How, how like for someone who's listening and being like, okay, I, I hear it and I want to do it, but I don't know like where to start or how to do it. Like, could you share a little bit about your own journey, learning to be kind and gentle to yourself? Sure. And, and, and I love that you guys talk about that because it's, you know, it was, she actually, the word she used the first, the, the, you know, treat yourself like a sister or friend was the second thing she said. The first thing she said was, do you, the first thing she asked me was, do you have compassion for yourself? Mm. And I, you know, and I, I, I think I'm a, you know, rather intelligent person. And I, was, and I looked at her and I was like, I don't know what you, I don't know what you just asked me. It's like, mm. do you, do you have compassion for yourself? Mm. And I said, can you give me an example? I don't know what that even means. So the fact that it didn't even resonate as meaningful in my <laughs> mind was, was how far I was from, from having that level of compassion. And, um, you know, and then she clarified, well, you know, as you move through life and the way you talk to yourself and the way you, the expectations you have for yourself, like, would you expect a friend or a sister to have those same expectations or speak to you in the same way? And I said, of course not. No, I'm, I'm my biggest self-critic. You know, I look in the mirror, um, critical, physically critical um, of what I have or haven't done in the day, always pointing out the things that should be done and aren't done well enough. Um, and that's just hard. And, you know, that's, that's a hard way to live. Um, so I'm sorry, I, I kind of lost track there, but no, I um, love it. This is exactly what we, we want to hear the behind the scenes, you know, of women who yeah. are been, have been doing this work. It's, um, it really, you know, it starts with, there's a voice inside. All of us have multiple voices inside us. And what I, you know, what I've tried to do is figure out whose voice is that? Who's talking to me? You know, a lot of, a lot of that self-critique and self-criticism came out of my childhood. And um, I realized it was, you know, my dad, I, I have an estranged relationship with, and, you know, he, that voice I sort of embodied and took on, it was really a survival technique when I was a child, but it continued with me into my, you know, um, early adulthood and then into adulthood. Um, and I, you know, is that voice serving me anymore? And that sounds like, it sounds hard, like a hard question to ask, but what am I getting out of talking to myself? Mm -hmm. What am I getting out of criticizing myself in this way? Because it's not, it's eroding the, the things that I want to accomplish. It's eroding the confidence and positivity that I have. It's not making me better. Um, mm -hmm. And who am I protecting myself from, you know? Mm -hmm. So those were some of those really, really hard questions I had to face and look at and, and give myself permission to, to not be as critical and, and to, to, and that, and, and honestly, I was so afraid. I was so afraid that in, in, in walking away from some of those, those things that had helped me, right. By being highly critical, by being highly focused and, and constantly assessing, I'd gotten really, really far. I'd gotten incredibly good grades. I'd gotten a really great job. I had been promoted in my job. So by moving away from those practices, I, I thought I was basically just going to end up on the street with no money and no job and <laughs> no friends. <You> know? <laughs> and in fact, it's, mm -hmm. it's had an opposite effect. Um, I, you know, I've been able to be more successful and happier and lighter because I'm not living in a constant state of shame or fear. And so it, I had to really look at all of that and be prepared for what was on the other side of, of, of letting go of that voice. Mm. 
I'm, I have like a big smile here because that's exactly what my work in the world is and, and what I believe so much and, and what you're saying, I see it of so many successful women, right? Like including, including me, right? Like for years, that critical voice was what pushed me, right? Like to be a perfectionist, to take on more, to not set boundaries, to work through the night, to, right? And that definitely bought me some success, but at a very high price, right? Because as I've shared my story multiple times, like there were moments like, yes, I was doing all these things, but then I would go home and be alone and would be in anxiety and not not feeling good and wanting to crawl in bed and to nobody see me and not really like enjoying my life, which, you know, why all those things if you're not enjoying your life? And, and definitely the key was, as your mentor said, learning to have compassion for myself, um, learning, I, I call it cultivating self-kindness, just being kind. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the effects, like when you change that voice to more self-kindness, what were some of the things you saw that changed? I mean, you know, it goes back to the, the presence I can have with my kids. You cannot be present in a moment when you are constantly, you know, I think about a periscope in a submarine <laughs> and, you know, you're constantly looking for, if you're constantly looking for faults or flaws or issues or things that need to be done, well, you're not present, you're gone. Your mind is somewhere else. And, mm-hmm. and by letting that go and just letting that voice go and letting those expectations go, you can stay present um, in a moment and, and feel whatever feelings are there, you know, whether it's happiness and sadness or excitement or peace, there's, there's so many things to be felt by staying present versus anxious or, you know, uh, fearful or vigilant. And, um, you know, that's, that's allowed me, it's allowed me to be present. It's allowed me to be confident. Mm -hmm. Um, because in, in presence, you, you are listening and you are solid and you're balanced which people feed off of. So, it, you know, if you're, if you're constantly scanning the horizon, if you're constantly self-criticizing or self-analyzing, then, you know, that, that distraction, that preoccupation is picked up by people you're speaking with, whether they're your children or colleagues or your partner or your parents. And they don't know whether, where you're coming or going. And that, that can, you know, that can have other, other detrimental effects on their relationship. So my relationships, I, I believe are a lot stronger as well as just, you know, my ability in any situation to kind of handle what's coming at me because I'm not 10,000 miles away in my mind. That's so powerful. I love the, you know, one of the questions I get asked most often is how do I increase my confidence? And I'm not saying this is from people who, this is, these are women who already are doing great things in their world and still they they feel sometimes like, you know, they shouldn't be there, that someone is going to find out, you know, that like, um, I'm the CEO, but if someone finds out, but I, I don't know, all they these think things, they're a fraud. Right? Yeah. They're a fraud. Yeah. Exactly. And how yeah. do I increase that self-confidence? And, and I think you're touching upon it. It's about learning to quiet down those critical voices and not shutting them down. But as you said, understanding who they are, right. And managing them mm-hmm. and cultivating that self-kindness. It, it impacts our family life, our relationships, and also our ability, like you said, to stay calm and take things as they're coming, which in our career as we progress, there's going to be definitely more of those. Um, yep. 
I love this. So um, another question I get Julie asked a lot, and I'm curious about your stories. Like, how do I know what I want? And and like when I when we look at your career and you've gone, you know, you've had a very successful trajectory. How have you figured out what is it that you want for your life? What is it that you want for your career? You know, I, I wish I could say I, I sat in a room, you know, 20 years ago and <laughs> mapped it all out, <laughs> but I didn't and I still don't. And, you know, I'm, how do I know what I want? Uh, I think that, you know, I think that there's, there's a couple centers of energy in your body and, you know, there's your mind, obviously, and then there's your heart and your, where you're feeling your energy and where you're feeling that um, inspiration. And I think it's really where I, I don't ever try to start from outcomes. So a lot of people, I, you know, I, I, I talk to a lot of women and, and men here at, at my company and, you know, there a lot of, a lot of them will say, Hey, I want to be a manager. I want to be a director. I want to, you know, I want this, I want this outcome. And it's like, well, well, why? What is that outcome? What does that outcome mean to you? What are you actually trying to achieve through a title, through a job, through a, you know, you know, some sort of end result? And um, so I, I guess my, you know, my advice or, or the way that I've always thought about it is, is what do, what do I want to, how do I want to feel? How do I want, what, what, do, what makes me feel good? Or what, where do I thrive? Where is that, where do I feel that energy? And, you know, throughout my career, it's, it's changed. You know, I've, I've wanted to um, explore different, different areas of business. Um, but I know that I've always wanted, I've always, I always, I thrive in challenges. I thrive in challenging environments and I thrive where there are problems to be solved. And, and that's sort of the magnet of, of where, so I've always followed sort of that magnet. Where are these, where are these new challenges while um, kind of, you know, at the same time figuring out who am I as a person? What, where do I want, what kind of company do I want to sign myself up with? And, um, you know, from a value standpoint, from a culture standpoint, that's, that's grown, that's grown in its importance and relevance to me over the years. Um, as I've, you know, as, as just culture and values have become, you know, way important for me as a, as a mother, as, um, someone I, um, you know, I, I have other, I have things I need to do outside of work. And so, um, does, does my employer, does my company value those things, or at least allow me to value those things? Um, so that's, uh, that's, so, that's kind of how I've thought about things. So I, I love a couple of things. One is like, because I, I hear this thing happening with some women I work with is like, they're thinking like my next step, how is it going to affect me in 10 years? And I'm like, you have no idea, right? Like, you have no idea. Mm -hmm. Like, I think most of us, when we look back, I for sure look back when I was in my early 20s and I see my life today and I was like, there is no way this was part of my plan. And I love it. Like, it turned out much better than I could have planned, but this wasn't my plan, right? Like, I I started in finance. I never thought I was going to end up in coaching. I lived in Colombia and I thought I was going <laughs> to, you know, stay there. And now I live in Santa Monica. I'm, I'm getting married to an American guy. You know, it's like no <laughs> way I could have planned this. But I kept looking at the next step. And I think what you're saying is, is so important. A lot of people 
because I think, I think, I think that affects us. It's like we're in social media. So we're just seeing like the outside, right? Like, oh, this job title. And like you see in LinkedIn, people getting promoted, people, you know, getting new jobs. And, and it's like, oh, I want to be executive director. But what does that mean? Right? Like, and what, what you said, like, well, how do you want to feel? And what are your values? What is important to you actually in the day to day to find a company that matches that? And exactly. then the, the other part that I'm hearing is that you, you didn't figure this out many years ago. You figure it out through your own experience. Would you agree? Yeah, and, and, and really, I totally agree. I mean, yes, and it's the same way. I, you couldn't, there's no map I could have drawn that would have gotten me to this place today. And, you know, I think that the key, I've learned, so any decision I'm making is a, is my next decision. It's not the decision that's going to affect, you know, that has an impact 10 or five, you know, five to 10 years down the road, because I have no idea what's going to happen. There are new challenges that can come and present to you when you have to, whether it's a new job offer, a new role at your company that, you know, you weigh those options. What is, what is this going to mean for me today? And what does it mean for my family? What, do, what does it mean for all of these, my needs? What do I need to be fulfilled? Does it meet that? Does it not and make decisions from there? I mean, that's really, that's, that's, that's really how I've, I've lived. And, you know, I, I think it's also relied and, and, and emphasizes the importance of really um, doing well in what you're currently doing. Cause you don't, you're not going to get those opportunities if you're just continuously mm-hmm. focused on what the next thing is. You have to be really focused on your current, your current situation and optimizing and excelling in what you're currently doing before you can start deciding what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. And throughout your career, um, have you made a mistake, maybe chosen a job, but then you realize, like, actually, I didn't want to be here? Well, I've made plenty of mistakes. <laughs> um, I, I don't think I there's never there's not there's not been something where I've gone where I've said, look, I made that decision and I would have where and it was a bad decision because because I don't know. I don't know how you compare and contrast. It was the decision I made at the time. So I think about, um, you know, at Groupon, when I moved um, out of my, I was in operation, I started in sales and moved into operations and moved back into sales. And it was a, it was a very, um, it was a big role that I took and I was incredibly challenging in the environment that I found myself in um, wasn't necessarily conducive to my values or the, the, the culture that I live by. Um, and so that was really challenging for me as a person, as, as a professional. And so I could point at that and say, oh, I, w- I should have made a different decision, but it absolutely informs who I am today and what I realize is important through those, through that, through that tough experience, I was able to identify things that were, are really important to me that I maybe not would not have emphasized as much had I not experienced sort of the converse of them. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, and one of the reasons I'm asking you this is because, you know, I hear women who are like, oh, I have this job and I want to start my own business, but I'm really scared because what if it doesn't work out? Or I want to change jobs, but I have security here. What if I don't like the next job, right? Like that fear of like, what if it doesn't work? So that's, so what I'm hearing from you is like, yeah, maybe it wasn't like your dream job, but it, but you use it for you to grow and get more clear on what is it that you want. And, and still, so I'm hearing is that, you committed to that and you tr- got, did the best you could, even if it wasn't the perfect environment that you wanted for yourself. 
Exactly. I mean, I think, you know, if you're scared to make that move or start your own business, you know, because it might not work. I mean, that's just one outcome, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then might not work and can lead to a bunch of different things. You're going to meet people, you're going to learn things, you're going to find out things about yourself. And, and you have to, you know, you have to understand the risk reward um, ratio. You know, if you're talking about investing your life savings and opening up a business, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, that obviously has a lot of risk for, for potentially a lot of reward, but there's not, it's not a binary work or won't work. There's going to be, it's like a spider web of things that will, will happen from one decision point. Exactly. So what's next for you? What, what is, what are you working on in your life right now, either personally or professionally or with your family? Um, well, you know, professionally we're, you know, I, I assumed this role that I'm currently in, um, at the beginning of this year. And so I'm just continuing to, to focus on being the best executive that I can be and growing this company at the rate we've been growing, which is, you know, um, fairly hard to do and requires a lot of uh, different, um, it, requ- it requires a lot of, of, of balancing of different things. And as we go from, you know, a hundred people to, to over 200 in the next year, that's going to affect our culture and our values a lot. So I'm really trying to be cognizant of how we maintain and um, solidify and sanctify our culture such that we can, you know, continue on that growth trajectory from a, from a size standpoint. Um, Personally, you know, I'm at a new, I'm at a new, um, you know, I've, I've begun a new journey in my life. I recently divorced and um, also recently engaged, which I'm really, really excited about. And Congratulations. Been, <laughs> thank you. Um, uh, you know, with my kids has been, um, you know, it's, it's not, a, it's again, going back to like the map I would have drawn when I was 22, it's not anything I would have ever imagined, but it's where I am. And so I'm really trying, you know, I'm really finding that rhythm in this new existence that I have and this happiness and this peace that I'm able to find in my personal life. And so, you know, the next year for us is really um, continuing to find our, um, you know, our footing as, as this new type of family, um, you know, with my children and my fiance and um, who we are in this world together as, as, this, as this new modern family. Um, that's, that's something we'll, we'll continue to evolve and, you know, all the things that go with it. Um, you know, some of those bigger, you know, finding a house and getting a dog and, <laughs> you know, going to Disney world for the first time. <laughs> um, that's, um, and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at a point in my life where it's just, I'm really, really enjoying the, the feeling of it all versus trying to plan like the next, the next thing. So mm. that um, just kind of letting it happen and enjoying it as it goes is, is what I'm trying to focus on. I love it. And it comes back to what you said at the beginning, being present. <clears throat> and I'm curious, do you have any practice? Like, do you meditate? Do you do anything like that to help you stay present? Well, I'm pretty passionate about exercise. So I, I prioritize exercise. I try to at least four times a week. That helps me at least like um, ex- um, sort of exercise. I literally exercise my mm-hmm. physical energy because a lot of times it's hard to stay present when you're sort of like bouncing or feeling that physical energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and the practices I do are, are like yoga or bar or even, you know, I've gotten into spin a little bit just to help me sweat. Mm-hmm. That helps get some of that physical energy out. I've tried meditation. It hasn't really, I haven't really, you know, it's just, it hasn't really worked, but I, I am, I do, you know, I, I see my therapist every week or every other week. So I'm big into like therapy. I think, mm-hmm. I think it's, um, 
you know, it's just really important as part of my self care. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I try to eat, I try to eat well, um, because that does have an effect on, on the heaviness and how you're feeling. Um, so, you know, it sounds trite, but I, I really try to make sure that I'm eating, you know, fish and veggies and all that good stuff. Um, oh. to help me stay present. And the last thing mm-hmm. is I pretty much, you know, I went through an exercise of writing down. I, I, I wrote down all the things I don't, I don't really love doing mm-hmm. um, in life mm-hmm. and what uh, like laundry. I don't really like doing laundry. I don't, I don't really like going to the dry cleaner. I don't like dropping stuff off at the post office. So I um, decided I wanted to have someone help me do those things. Mm. And um, so that's, that's given me the space and um, to, to not, to, to be able to, you know, focus on my kids and stay present with my kids or my fiance, um, because you don't have those like chores zooming over your head. Mm-hmm. I think that's so powerful. Like I, I call it designing our lifestyle, right. And, and, and doing something similar that uh, to what you're saying, but it's like, what are the things that give me energy and what are the things that drain my energy? And, and then how can I, the things that drain my energy, like either take them away of my life or have someone to help me and to do those for me. That's part of self-care. So we're coming to the end of, of this talk and I could stay talking with you. I'm really appreciating everything you're sharing. And I just want to ask you, is there anything you want to share with all the women who listen to this podcast? Maybe like something that you feel very strong about that you think like everyone you know, should know this or practice this or at least pay attention to this? Hey, that's, that's a big question, Caroline. I mean, <laughs> you know, I think, um, I think that, you know, the, the thing my mentor told me, which was have compassion for yourself and treat yourself the way you would want to, you would treat a friend can really go a long way in a lot of different avenues of your life. The other more tactical thing I think is really important for women is, just stop apologizing. Mm, Forget yes. it. Just stop apologizing. Mm-hmm. Um, stop apologizing for having an opinion. Stop apologizing. I don't care if you're late. Say thank you for waiting. Not I'm sorry I'm late. Mm-hmm. Flip that on its head and watch the like treat. You know, um, I would say that the way that you want to be seen is the way that you should treat yourself, mm-hmm. and the way you want to be respected is the way you should respect yourself. That's that. I you know I. I try to impart on our female professionals here, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like, forget it. Don't, don't ever apologize. <laughs> Stop apologizing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. that's, I think that's really important to make, to, to, to develop and exude that confidence presence, um, both professionally and personally. Love it. Thank you so much for sharing and thank you for being part of our podcast. <laughs> thank you so much. Bye. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you like this episode and want to receive more exclusive content and some personal updates from me that I only share by email, go to carolinazuleta.com and subscribe to my newsletter. Also, remember I'm on a mission to transform the lives of a million women. So if you like today's episode, please share it with your mom, your sister, your girlfriend, or any other woman you consider could benefit from this information. I am sending you all my love and stay tuned for more life lessons next Monday. Bye.